you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd Production run on something like that, the more you can do, the lower your production costs go. And what, well, no, I, I thought about so that your, as well. So your, your profit goes up, and I, I don't begrudge the guy profit on no. a, a particular, especially cool product. I just think it, it is once again interesting of how technologically unsavvy I am, and how truthfully uninterested I am in becoming. Just like because I don't have time to make it worth our while anyway. But I think that's just that that's interesting, and so. Blah. Uh, what uh, else? You know that that was cool. Uh, I'm. I hope to see stores with with those spinner racks. What uh, tragedy series? You, I'm, I, Are you I, never I, seen this? I don't know what this oh, is. Man. The collection, complete I collection. I nearly got that of, for you for your for Christmas. The, no, no, no. You know, I once again. No, but uh, if I put it on a podcast, check, everyone no, will will listen to me. Just open it up, and you'll see that it's not going to fall into the category you're worried it is. Of books that I don't have time to read. Oh, yeah, this is... <laughs> Just pick anyone at random. <laughs> um, this is... I'm going to come back to this concept in a bit uh, because I think that it's worth being one of my what's in the bags, perhaps even though I don't, didn't bring the physical copy. So, hey, everybody, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on, oh my gosh, I don't know what day of the week it's it is. It's the 18th. It's, it's Wednesday. It's been a Wednesday. It's actually tax day, too. I know. Because Isn't they, that funny? They had computer problems oh, Look, yesterday. all I know is it's it's almost summer, and we didn't start till after dark, so it's late. Yeah. And I'm having a decaf coffee so that I can both stay warm in my throat so you get the vocal chocolate, as well as... Uh, don't stay up too late after the podcast so that I can get up early for work tomorrow. Mango habanero has vocal chocolate. No, no, no. That's Mango a- habanero is someone completely different. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. No, Derek has vocal chocolate. Mm. Uh, that was actually something uh, years ago uh, that's a co-worker said that about me. Like She just randomly walked up, walked up into my cube and said, do you know your voice is like chocolate? And so I think it's funny to say that. Was she diabetic? I've got vocal chocolate. No. no, I don't know. I hope she's doing well. So, uh, and of course, across from me, recording everything. Rick Brett Snyder. I'm actually just running the machine that recording records Recording everything. Did you know that there's a... There was I wasn't a, talking about you. I was talking about Alexa. Do you, know, do you know that there was a recorder, a very well-hidden recorder in the latest season of S.H.I.E.L.D.? A Rogelian recorder? Oh, no. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I of know course, they go into space, and yeah, but it, I, I love the obscurity. I'm fine that that too. I can catch up on Netflix just like Black Lightning. So we've got a show. Uh, we've got some comics news, some movie it. news, some TV news. We've got, I think, a really. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we have a pretty cool interview 
on tonight's yeah, show yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that we got from Silicon Valley Comic Con. But before we get into that, of course, you may have noticed that on some recent podcasts we did have uh, plugs, ads from uh, outside sources of, of cool projects I that we that. believe in. Yeah, well, you added them in. Uh, we had of Worldcon and, and uh, of The Mirror's Revenge. And so I want to call it out to you that if you have a project or a product that you would like to advertise on the Fanboy Planet podcast, please email me at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And then that goes for the, the site as well. We, we run ads there a lot and it's not just affiliates but if you are interested we can talk rates this again email at editor at fanboyplanet.com because i'll say up top you know it costs money to do to host the podcast and the site and keep things running and and really that's about it and uh, and we can give you some visibility for your product or, or audibility for that matter there you <laughs> so, go. I, I, whatever uh so anyway uh yeah, where was I? All right, and if, and if uh, we talk about anything on this podcast that uh, you would like to own for yourself, cause since we talk about books and DVDs and so forth, I don't know if we're going to talk DVDs tonight, but we might. Uh, things happen. Uh, if you got books or comics and you cannot find it at your local book and book at your local brick and mortar store, you can of course uh, help defray the cost of Family Planet by ordering through the Amazon link, the Amazon search boxes, or the Amazon direct links that we embed in in the articles. Uh, and the fan, uh, the podcast pages at Fanboy Planet, uh, we get a small a small kickback from any order that comes through Fanboy Planet, as well as Think Geek. We are an affiliate of Think Geek. And what was the cool stuff this week? There was some, oh, they've got a great Mother's Day selection. I checked it out, and oh, I didn't. See and that. my mother would not be interested, but uh, I did have, say well, no, there's two things because it's a great Mother's Day sale. Some things they've curated for Mother's Day, as well as the Han Solo collection that I with saw. shirts that I'm like, uh, wow. And I saw yeah. Drew, uh, Drew Campbell, a Star Wars fan, say, "I must have that jacket," or, or I believe it's that kind of. It's this passive aggressive, it's like Solo it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Uh, I kind of need this jacket. That's the implication that yeah. I'm not going to buy it. I'm like, did you already order it? Because I forgot to check our account. Uh, anyway, so you can check that out. And we are an affiliate. We we get a small uh, piece of things that are ordered through Fanboy Planet as well. A taste. Only a taste. Like like a drop. Like, yes. like if you like uh, orange crush soda, we get the equivalent of an orange La Croix. Okay. Just a hint. Just a flavor. Yes. Or like... You're drinking a soda, uh, drinking water, and someone yells out orange from another room. That's yes, the equivalent. That's what we get. Yes, that's what we get. So, and, and of course, if you have any, uh, would like to help defray the cost as well, we'd just like to, to kick in some money over, just free, because, you know, it is tax day. You got a refund, hmm, maybe $5 hey. for the Planet. Uh, you can do so at PayPal. The link works. I checked. Editor nice. at fanboyplanet.com, but there's a button right there on Did you get a thrill when you saw the deposit come in? Uh, well, I, I, I should say I know that it goes through. I don't know that it deposits. I didn't deposit money to myself. That, I, would that have created like an infinite loop of like if I donated a dollar to myself from my PayPal account, would it just constantly be running yeah, back and forth? Yeah, but PayPal handles it. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. Is, it like, yeah. Is it like the federal government tax system? It's 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 something like that. All right, of course. Then if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Or tweet us at Fanboy Planet, or follow us on Facebook at Fanboy Planet. So let's get to it, shall we? We should. I, I think that's it. So our, our top story, as I mentioned, is we do have an interview with. It was kind of a checking in. We've interviewed 
This is kind of funny because, as I say, two years ago we interviewed Paul Scanlon and Jeff Anderson, the founders of Legion M, the fan-owned movie studio production company. I In guess is probably a better way to say pre-funding. Right, booth. it was it was right where they launched at Silicon Valley Comic Con. They were like on the opposite side of the wall from Madefire, weren't they? No, uh, from the Wax Museum because we walked the go, for, to Madame Tussauds. We okay. walked over to the Wax figures. It, it Madefire was on it was on the other end of the. It's weird that I can totally see that, but at the other end of the hmm. exhibit okay. hall. But it was big. They were uh, what was on the other side was Stupid Buddy Studios because they were doing live animations the of the uh, of uh, they had the robot and they were doing live animations of like a Back to the Future robot chicken like parody uh-huh. with ki- with figures of Jeff and, and Paul. And I believe it was two Comic Cons ago. I sat down with Jeff. And so this year at Silicon Valley Comic Con, we got to talk to Paul Scanlon because they have a new movie coming out in just two weeks. If I'm doing my math right Which on the sounds calendar, really cool. Yeah, Bad Samaritan, starring David Tennant, and uh, and I am I feel bad because I think even in the interview I blanked on this. The that young, premise is the really young cool. British actor who was in Misfits on the BBC oh. or, or uh, on British television. I'm not sure it was a BBC series. I think I saw it on Hulu. And I'd actually seen him in a movie called Killing Bono uh, about six or seven years ago, a little British film that was really good. A good actor. So I, it, it does sound like a great premise. Sounds like a fun movie. And they've got all kinds of projects in the hopper for Legion M, but why should I talk about it right now when we talked about it in our time-traveling ways Let's. a week and a half ago with... We're at Silicon Valley Comic Con. Uh, this is this is nice. A return from two years ago with uh, with with Paul Scanlon, absolutely, and one of the founders, uh, the two co-founders of Legion M yep. Studios, and uh, it, it was, I guess, essentially launched at Silicon Valley Comic Con two years ago. That's when we first met and talked. Yep. And this is this is where we. Where we presented Legion M for the very first time. So we're super stoked to be back here two years later. And in that time, there's been some amazing growth of this. First, for those listening who may not recall, and we've talked about Legion M a few times, but that it is a fan-invested, fan-owned production company, development house, all things in in projects, uh, and... What we've seen in the last year was you had uh, Colossal from yep. Neon. You and I yep. were talking about that a little yep. bit ago. That came out last last year. There was also, wait, the other connections there that are kind of in the, in the hopper that I know we can't really talk about, but Mandy with yep. Nicolas Cage. Yep. Which, we can talk about it. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, then let's yeah, talk, a little, talk a little bit about that, about and then it. we'll yep. talk about the movie that you're actually here promoting. Perfect. So yep. you were at Sundance with this... With Mandy, I know not so little oh, about man. it other than it's yes. a, apparently a Nicolas Cage Mandy tour de force. Mandy is going to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, yeah we we partnered with uh, Elijah Wood's company uh, Spectrovision uh, on that film, and it's actually one of the uh, projects where Legion M made an investment earlier than we did in Colossal. So in Colossal, we we invested alongside a Neon in the distribution of the film, so that. We, were, we saw a produced and finished film before we made the investment, and okay. we're investing in essentially the P&A. It's more than that, but it's a kind of a structured like a P&A investment. And by the way, we love Colossal, and we're so excited about that that movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's really... Which you can see on Hulu right yeah, now. Yeah, it's on Hulu, and uh, it's a phenomenal film. And for Legion M, it was actually one of the first big projects that we announced 
Um, and we're really proud of it because in a way it was like a statement to the world about what a fan-owned entertainment company wants to represent. And it's a very high-quality film, um, but it's not your traditional, typical Hollywood film. I mean, it's very unique, and it's not, the, not a film that the, the traditional Hollywood studio system would make. And um, but it deserves to have an audience. And now, you know, after releasing, it's made many of the top ten films of 2017. So and it was great. And then Mandy, let's see, when is that? When are you so Mandy, get a on we Mandy? haven't announced the date, but it has been picked up for a theatrical release uh, in the fall. Um, the date will be coming soon. Uh, but we uh, we that film uh, we invested early on, and uh, just when it was at script stage, and we were working with SpectreVision, and they. Uh, uh, produced the film and um, so will we see we, the, it was na- submitted the, the to name Sunday. Legion M in front of it? Uh, it'll be it'll be in the credits. Yeah, okay, yep. Uh, not the front credits, but it'll oh, be uh, right. in the credits. And actually, our production credit in Mandy is quite cool because it's uh, we are up front, not with our our. Uh, it says Legion M. Yeah, we're like a, you know one of the producers on it. Um, but then we have um, uh, a photo mosaic in the film itself in the end credits which is really pretty cool cool and that film took Sundance by storm this year I mean it ended up uh, coming out of Sundance as one of the top reviewed films um, and it's quite also quite a unique can you give us the log line yeah sure so it's a uh, it's starring Nick Cage uh, it's directed by uh, Panos Cosmatos um, who you may know from uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow and um, yeah if you've ever seen that film, it's it's pretty out there. And uh, Mandy is uh, is is kind of um, it's a revenge fantasy. Uh, Nick Cage is a, a lumberjack uh, up in up in the woods, the North Woods, and um, he's very much in love with a woman. And uh, there's a cult uh, nearby, a, a drug fueled cult that. Um, that uh, kidnaps her at some point, and uh, I don't want to give give away no, too no, much. No, no, I don't want too much. But, but, you've given, you know, but he's so. he's fueled by his rage and love for her, and it's it's absolutely just an insane movie. I, I'm, I'm getting a sense of if people who love Nicolas Cage, uh, one of my favorites of his is yep. Drive Angry. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's almost like Drive Angry turned yep. up to eleven, which yep. Drive Angry already was at eleven. So yep. it sounds That's, like we're this, going. This is right in that realm. You know, the way we describe this is, you know, if you if you if you're into like a midnight type film like this, and we are. you are gonna absolutely love it. Um, it's 100% uh, fresh, or 100% critic reviews on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, and um, which is surprising considering what a polarizing film it is. But uh, it's a masterpiece in a way. I mean, Panos did an amazing job putting it together. It's very creative, and it's it's beautifully done. So it's a very aggressive film. It's got a heavy metal soundtrack from uh, Johan Johansson. Uh, who did Theory of Everything and Sicario um, and Arrival and sadly recently uh, passed away um, uh, just over the holidays. And so, uh, but it's, it's, it's quite a film. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited for that one to, to hit the mass market and see what the reaction is. Yeah. But to turn to the one you're, you're here with, at Silicon Valley yep. Comic Con. And I like that this is, you launched two years ago and you come back with, <laughs> two years later with what is almost like the ultimate uh, 
convention package, really. It's a perfect project, yeah. <laughs> you, you're doing a sneak peek. You're, you're yep. showing the film. Uh, you've got Dean Devlin, who's the director. I'll get yep. to the title in a moment. Yep. You know, Dean Devlin, of course, produced Independence Day yep. uh, and those films. Stargate. Films, Stargate. And, and, the librarians, uh, yeah. The, that's right. I keep forgetting the librarians. And uh, starring David Tennant. David and you Tennant. have David Tennant here. This is a doc- Doctor Who weekend at Silicon yep. Valley Comic Con. Exactly. And so it is. the film is Bad Samaritan, a kind of a, a thriller. Um, yep. And David, after being... The Doctor gets to be like some of the most vicious villains in uh, in modern pop culture yep, now. Yep. It's an interesting turn. It <laughs> is. It's it's amazing. And I, I have to say, you know, considering what a nice guy he is and how he plays, you know, kind of a hero in a lot of cases, Doctor Who, um, he's so good as the villain in Bad Samaritan. And Bad Samaritan is like it's a Hitchcockian uh, thriller. Um, we're going to show some clips at our panel today, and then we have the preview tonight. Um, and it's it's a fun movie. I mean, it's probably the biggest movie that we've invested in, meaning it's going to go out to uh, the largest number of theaters and have the most uh, P&A budget. Um, and it's, you know, partnering with Dean Devlin, who is one of Hollywood's biggest producers. But what's, you, what, what's unique about it is this is independently produced, and independently distributed. So this isn't Dean doing another big, you know, Hollywood project. This is Dean and together with Legion M partnering with fans to kind of rethink how this industry works. You know, when we first met Dean, um, you know, we just completely hit it off. I mean, it was like a like we just knew we needed to work together because Dean had had you know he and. In creating Stargate, you know, they really kind of grew a fan base. I mean, that was that film when it came out, the original film, mm-hmm. wasn't expected to be a major blockbuster. But the way they 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 did it, they actually built a website. This for a film it was one of the first film right, websites uh, ever. On. And you know, Dean um, Dean was going around all the cons, and they built that up through a grassroots network into one of the biggest, you know, franchise. I mean, it's still a big popular. Uh, brand and mm-hmm. you know spawned a television series and everything, um, but yeah, we're we're excited to work with Dean because he's you know he gets us and we get him, and uh, they, his whole team's been fantastic to work with, and the film is awesome. I mean, it, you know, we we did a uh, Long Beach a screening in Long Beach where we had night vision cameras in the audience to capture like watching people watch this film, and right. it, it it's great because it's the type of film that has you kind of Didn't crawling in your see chair like a viral video of david Tennant oh, watching yeah. people yeah. watch it we so also that, did that yeah that was sort of like crawl, a, a snake we eating itself you know, we <laughs> and there's videos of us watching him watching yep. them and yep. it's just gonna it's go like on it's on. just a, created some <laughs> paradox here and yeah and for those again listening who may not be familiar with it it's yep. a young man who's uh, Two young valet drivers. Valets, that's yeah, right. Valet so they, they take the car keys, they and they take the house keys, and they go into the apartments and and rob the apartments, right? Yeah. And then yep. one gets into this apartment and discovers that there is a woman bound and yep. tortured in that apartment, which is owned by and David he needs Tennant. to make a choice. Yep. Yeah, he needs to make a choice. You know, and um, he you know he makes the wrong choice, protecting himself and not wanting to get caught, but he promises that he'll come back and it turns out to be you know one of the biggest mistakes of his life and he spends the rest of the movie trying to trying to write it and it's and it's very 
very suspenseful and it's very thoughtful and it just completely delivers in the end. It's got a really like climactic finish. And that's going to get a release May 4th. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, th- this is just one of Are those. Are you coming six- tonight? I know. my son. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. hey, I, I can't wait for it, but it is rated R, so I have to wait for yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so along, along those lines, that we've just talked about three projects, but but you say it's fan owned. How do you choose to get involved in these things? Yeah, like the, you know, because I know sometimes it kind of, things sort of go out to a vote uh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. No. I mean, this this is a great question, and you know what we tell you know, our Legion community. And we're still in the growth phase, right? So we're, we're two years in. We've got multiple multiple projects, actually, probably a lot more projects that we've been a part of and invested in or developed than we would have predicted in two years' time. And, um, and the community that's come together, like a lot of people say, oh, you know, that's great, but will, will the community really have a voice? And, you know, the answer is an unequivocal yes from us because... For, for Jeff and I, what we really fundamentally believe is that that community is the source of our superpower, right? And, and channeling that voice and collecting it. And, it. and it's not, I don't mean like they don't have a voice in like Panos. Everybody gets to give Panos their, their <laughs> notes on We're the script. Or, the or, you know, or, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing like that. I mean, we all, like one thing that we, we fervently believe is that you don't make great art by committee. Right, so when we back a project, we want to back someone like Nacho Bigalondo with Colossal or Panos on Mandy or Dean Devlin and Bad Samaritan. We're not trying to interfere or question what they're doing, but where where the community can have a voice is understanding what are people interested in. And so, like when we go to f- uh, film festivals, anyone in the Legion can register to be a scout on our behalf at a film festival. And so, before we go to Toronto or Sundance and in fact, at Sundance, we had a big venue this year because uh, that we had set up before we knew we were going to have a film there because uh, we didn't know. You don't know that your film's going to get accepted until like pretty late, right before the event. And um, we, so we were having Mandy there was like a really fun surprise. But we wanted to be there anyway. We wanted to be there the same way we are at a con. Um, and have a presence, have a place for our legion to come and meet and talk about films, but also to go out and watch films and then tell us what they think about it. And so um, anyone can register to be uh, a scout for Legion M. So when we go to a film festival and we're looking for things that we want to get behind, um, or even if we're uh, reading scripts, you know, we have a reading club I'll get to in a minute, but we have this sort of larger collective conscious, you know, like when, when A24 and Neon and these, these are small, relatively small companies. They only have a handful of people that are out watching films. We could theoretically have hundreds of people that are all, you know, logged in. And it's one thing to like go to a film festival. People go and do those things and they pay their own way because people want to do that. Like people like us, that's a, a fun thing to do. It's, that's how we spend our vacation time. But it's even more special if you can be doing that and actually giving input to a company that you're a co-owner of and letting that information benefit the company. You know, the other thing we do is we have a reading club. We don't call it a book club because oftentimes we're reading scripts. 
and we'll read it, you know, we'll send out a script and we'll all read it and then we'll have, uh, the last one we did was we, we read the script for uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, originally called The Cellar, uh, which was written by a friend of mine, uh, Matt Stukin, my college roommate. Um, and so we had Matt come on and talk to us afterwards about how that film, you know, went from just he and his writing partner writing a, an interesting, you know, thriller yeah. to being, you know, part of one of the largest franchises in Hollywood. It's a great story. And, you know, how the script adapted and everything else. And so, you know, ultimately, you know, we we really want our Legion to to have the the ability to, to give input. You know, we um, we vote on uh, things like pitch elevator. We do we put that out to vote, and we let people uh, vote on the different pitches. You know, we don't we can't you always the make conventions. I mean, is this so, again for people listening? Pitch elevator. <coughs> yep, was an event. I know it was held at Long Beach one year. Um, yep. And so I don't well, know. How yeah, many it was at Stanley's LA Comic Con. Yep. Okay. And um, and we're we're going to do it again. Uh, so we built a prop elevator where people can come. The whole idea is. That, um, you know, everyone knows what an elevator pitch is, right? You have to get your pitch down to, you know, so you could give it as you're riding up an elevator. So we built a prop elevator that we bring to cons. Uh, we don't have it here, but we're, we're, we'll bring it somewhere else again. Um, but we're also, uh, and the whole idea is that anyone can have a great concept or idea for a TV show or a film, but most people don't have the connections or know the right people to even get it hurt, let alone have it produced and so you know one of our promises at legion m is that you know we do want fans to have a voice because we believe that that voice is differentiating Uh, but we also want to open the gates to hollywood we want access to be you know more open Uh, the industry has been very closed and exclusive you know like a great example is that um, sundance our lounge was open to everybody right and it turned out it was one of the hottest funnest best lounges at Sundance and it was packed all the time and it was a total blast because we weren't trying to make it like you know pretentious or you know any of these things so anyway with with pitch elevator you know people can come to a con and give their pitch I mean we have kids giving pitches we have I mean it's amazing and you know and it's also a lot of fun and um and then those pitches, we let the Legion vote on those pitches, and then we're creating a television show out of it, like a Shark Tank for, for pitches, for movie and TV oh, show pitches. Idea, yeah. yeah, so we, we're in the process of, uh, we've called down the original pitches, uh, and now we're going to put them in front of a panel, and we're going to film it, where we uh, you know show the pitches and talk to the panelists, and people like Leonard Malton will be involved in it, and then... Um, ultimately, the winners get a cash award um, for their quality pitch, but they also get a development deal with Legion M, where we'll go work to try to get get it produced. And we, you know, because we have access, and we work with Neon and A24 and and Electric, and we have access to all these places so where we could take something like that. We could assign a if it needs a, a script. Yeah, and you did yep. just uh, just to, to catch up. You just casually tossed off Leonard Malton's name. Yep. They're a long-time oh, yeah. Hollywood critic, uh, yep. film historian, has joined the advisory board. Absolute favorite people in the industry, and yeah, he Leonard Malton is a part of Legion M. We're very proud of that. So let's uh, let's talk about when when we came two years ago. One of the big, um, almost like your research arm, was associated with Meltdown Comics. So yep. I want to just. I won't end on this note because I yeah. don't want it to get maudlin. No, but find but <laughs> we will. I, I have an uplifting yeah. afterwards. Okay, uh, okay. But that is, uh, but it is. You know, to comment the, last month, 
meltdown closed yep. its doors yep. for not because business was bad, yeah. you know. So, is the, is there still of the people that you that were working with you from there? Do they still have a place with Legion? Absolutely, M? yeah. No, I mean meltdown as a brand. I think you know, and Gaston as a figure will always be you know relevant in in this industry, and you know Gaston will always be a part of Legion M and um, and a, and a shareholder, and um, you know and and. We're we're excited about, you know, we're sad about about the closing of the uh, comic book, the retail uh, presence. But we have faith that that brand will live on in some capacity. And okay, good. But we'll have to let Gaston. Okay, then. But one you do have control over, or that is coming soon, is and I I talked to uh, to Jeff about this yep. two summers ago, and I think it, it, it's almost ready, which is the VR almost. You are there, hours with oh, great, yeah. great men in uh, yep. nerd history. Yep. You've got Stan Lee coming. Yep. Yeah, so we uh, we shot the pilot episode of uh, what we call Icons Face-to-Face. It's our virtual reality interview series. We, we have all the footage in the can. Uh, we shot it at Stan Lee's house with Kevin Smith doing the interview. Uh, and, and Stan's wife, Joan, was also uh, part of that interview. Uh, oh, so we did yeah. that last year. That's, that's really nice. Right before she passed. And it was... Really, I mean, you know, a couple things that I would say is, um, you know, we shot it with the absolute most cutting edge technology. Oh, you used, used two, two, right? No, we used two Red Weapon 8K okay. cameras in a, in a nodal setup uh, to capture it at the highest possible resolution, like four times the resolution of an IMAX. And though doing the math on it, for us, it was important that we capture it at the threshold of what the human eye can perceive. And even though the VR headsets don't have that kind of resolution today, they will soon. But they will, right? and you're yeah. thinking ahead. Okay. Yeah, so we want to have the interview with Stanley, intimate interview in his home, uh, that will stand the test of time. And will, for generations to come, will allow... You know, people that maybe haven't had the chance to meet Stan Lee sit down and be in the room and experience this conversation, you know, across the table from him. And And the interview was, uh, I can't wait to release it because it it really was a, a special, uh, special interview. But we're not in a hurry, right? So the idea with, um, with this project is that these are almost like legacy pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, our goal is to develop a library of them. Um, so we're we're in discussions now with multiple different partners about helping us. You know, Legion M. We wouldn't single-handedly finance the whole library uh, because we want to be diversified with mm-hmm. our investments, and we haven't raised enough money to to do that. But there are a lot of investment partners that would want to back that. Well, project. let me ask because I think. Uh, yeah, as we alluded, I had my son with me. We were trying. Yep. I'm trying to think of people that were iconic yep. that you know. Like I, I do think generations from now, people are going to want to know yep. what Stan had to say. Who would be your get? You know, your next get. Who is that person that you think is worthy? Of, not to put you on the spot, but yes, I'm putting you on the spot. Who would be next? Because Stan is the only person I could think of right now, off the cuff. Walt Disney back in time, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, well, as far as, like, you know, living today... Well, you know, a cultural figure... Well, we have a list. I mean, yeah, we have a list. I mean, we'd like to, and it doesn't necessarily need to be pop culture, 
icons, but we'd like to, you know, interview Spielberg and Lucas. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, I mean, there okay. are all those, you know, Guillermo del Toro, for that matter, you know. I mean, even though, like, he's not at any risk of not being with us in the near future. Any, hope Any more than anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's one of my heroes. Um, but we're also, um, we're not limiting it to pop culture icons. So I think it'd be an interesting, uh, we've talked about, you know, trying to do this with the Queen. And, you know, I think that there's any number of That would be astounding, although I, I, I'd be Might fascinated be to, to hear that happens. Well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Get the BBC involved and maybe it can happen. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So there we go. People listening, you know, hey, write into your, with your, with your wish list on that. Who would that be? Not that... Yeah, exactly. It all depends yeah. on no. On well, their people. but this is another area where the Legion does have a voice. I mean, we've we've already polled our community to, and we have a list, right. and it's come from the community. It's not just you know ideas that uh, that Jeff and I have had. Yeah. So that's it. You can find that at legionm.com. Yep. Right? Yep. It's that's it's that straightforward. Yep. Uh, May fourth is Bad Samaritan and. Yep. Mandy sometime in the future. Mandy this fall. Yep. And, and and more to come. And it's a great. lot more to come. I mean, we, you know, at WonderCon, we announced uh, three development projects, television projects that we have in development. Uh, we've got a, you know, a truckload of stuff uh, that we're, we're working on. And one, one other thing just to point out is, um, you know, it's free to join Legion M. So you don't need to make an investment to be a part of Legion M. And the reason we do that is, um, that we want people to uh, have the opportunity to get to know us and see what we're all about and look at our projects and maybe go see Colossal and see if it fits. Um, but then they're also, by joining, they're, they're the first to be notified when we are raising a round of finance. So, you know, right now you can invest in Legion M because we don't have a round open. We're not always open in selling shares. Um, but we will be open again, uh, hopefully late April, early May, um, we should be opening up another round. So if people are interested, they can make a reservation today, which guarantees them a spot in, in the round. Because in the past, our rounds have sold out. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. We look forward to talking to you awesome. about the thank you. next projects you get to talk about. Perfect. And we'll see you at the next con. All Thanks right. so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. What a hoot. Looking forward to it all. And I can hardly wait for, for Bad Samaritan. I'm, it does, I'm so I mean, excited yeah. for that. I think I pitched that scenario to a couple of people in conversation. They're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and, you know, it is interesting with David Tennant in that role. So, uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get to it. We get, we've got some comics news. Let's start with Another some comics story. news. It is. I, I almost made this the top story and then remembered, oh, wait, we have, a, we have yeah. an interview with Paul. Uh, which, of course, is we are recording on Superman's official slash unofficial. It's good enough for the New York Times. Superman's 80th birthday, meaning the 80th anniversary of the release of Action Comics number one. Mm-hmm. And I love, I was just in the comic shop in Elusive, and there was this discussion. Is it really? Because Action Comics number one was cover dated June. And so we had to have this debate about even in 1938, yeah. you released the June issue in April because you needed to stay on the stands for right. a couple of months. <laughs> right. And I just thought... Uh, this is the part of fandom I love that we that we're going to you know right, debate right, that right. in 1938. When what would you have released for maximum publicity? Not not at all. It's just and we talked about last week because I had it on the uh, 
you know, on my what's in the bag of the hardcover that came out. I, right. Apparently not to right. all stores last week, so I apologize if some people went to their... Actually, comic shops got it before regular Well, I thought that's what it was. I think yeah. it was coming out in bookstores this week. Yeah. Comic shops had I it last week, but I have a friend up in... it got released on Tuesday. I have a friend in... in uh, uh, up north who said his shop didn't get it until no. today so and it was direct comic shop but you know anyway uh that just to to think back to superman 80 years ago and uh, wow what uh, an impact that was on the imagination I think it's Grant- an interesting uh, that that story is interesting because he does Superman does a couple things. One, because you got it, you picked up the hardcover, oh, yeah, reread it, it, at least those first he, twelve pages. He 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 tries to calm people down who realize he realizes his abilities are going to be scary to normal mm-hmm. people, not the criminals, the normal people. And then there was there's the like a six panels of him dealing with a um, an abusive husband who's beating his wife. Again, what I commented last week is it's it's uh, it just saddens me when you think about how fresh, yeah, how how in 2018 you could do very little to alter it and it would still feel would still like you know, like a timely relevant story. Yeah, um, and and it goes into the second issue in which he you know deals with the arm munitions dealer and mm-hmm. people starting wars for the sake of. Money. Economy yeah. and money, uh, which you know was a message in the Last Jedi as well, and I think okay that will always be with us. But uh, it it's really weird to think about it. Him at eighty years old, I I remember the feeling. I don't remember which year it was when I had this horrible realization that I was older than Superman was supposed to be. Oh yeah, in the comics, <laughs> just go like, well, guess those powers are never going to kick in. <laughs> No, I will never no, be an they alien. Will. They will. They will. But but you know, as I I, I posted her this morning about like you know just kind of like all the different actors who have played it and and oh yeah all the all the the impact of of it and and it's just like I, my main point is it doesn't matter. You and I don't have to necessarily interpret Superman the same way. I get I get into arguments with my. Uh, I have a niece and a nephew who both have very strong opinions about the idea that he is too much of a Boy Scout to be relevant, and I, to which I say, pish tosh, horse feathers, and poppycock. Uh, he is as relevant as those words I just said. But uh, he, he is. You know, that's that that's the thing. I, I There are, you know, I, I did a quote from All-Star Superman, Grant Morrison with summing up the, the origin. I think there's also a quote from him that I think he used – he put in super gods which was the atomic bomb was a terrible idea but luckily there was an idea more powerful that happened in 1938 and that was and that was superman and that's what made him he write if you've ever read super gods by grant morrison's it's you know partially a memoir partially uh, a manifesto of of his theories of writing comics and one of the things that he said was that he was terrified of nuclear war. He was he was terrified of all those things as a child because his family lived near a nuclear submarine base, a U.S. base in Scotland. Mm. Uh-huh. And he said, but what, what calmed him down was Superman, that he felt as a small child that Superman was a stronger idea, that Superman's sense of justice was more important and would be more ultimately more powerful than our ability to wipe ourselves out. 
I don't know if he's right about that, but I like to cling to it as well. Um, I think also something that Brian Singer, even though I don't think Superman Returns was a fantastic film, it was wasn't a bad film. It was uh, I probably enjoy it more than I do Man of Steel. But one thing he said was yes. that that Superman, when he was asked at Comic Con what what draws him to Superman, he said that Superman ha- has to fight the urge to be cynical. He has every reason to want to give up on us, and he doesn't. And I know that's fictional, but you think about this and say, um, most of the world's religions revolve around characters. I shouldn't say characters because I don't want to besmirch anything. And I, I have said before, I kind of, I do identify myself as Christian. Most of the world's religions revolve around figures who are exactly that, who who know us and have every reason to be cynical and if they were like us would have every reason to turn their backs on us yeah and you want a hero it's to someone you can aspire to be and that's what i i I tweeted out as well is even for captain america is that they is that like you know captain america definitely falls in that and which is why i think um mark wade does such a great job with captain america because his favorite character is superman he makes captain america into marvel's superman that uh that you know he 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 shows us what even with even without superpowers what we could be what we should be and as much as richard donner's film makes him very messianic in case anybody had ever missed that message about you know you shall lead martin brenda thing you shall lead him into the sun my son kalel mm-hmm. i want to be replaced by a bagel on the set <laughs> um which actually that was something he said one day is like, couldn't we just make him a bagel i'm you know he's an alien. Who knows what Jarrell looks like? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Marlon Brando also forever uh, changed the pronunciation of Kal-El. Everybody was like Kal-El, my little Kal-El. Everybody else says Kal-El, but no, no, Marlon Brando refused. Anyway, uh, you know, powerful and, and a character that it's interesting. The New York Times just ran an, uh, over the weekend a profile on Brian Michael Bendis and said, "Can this man save Superman?" And Bendis had to tweet out and apologize, like. A great article, terrible headline. Because yes. that's what I felt was like Superman doesn't need saving. No, but it's great that that Bendis is getting a little attention. Can he on... avoid damaging Superman? That's no, of can. course he can. I know he can. I, you know, but I'm so looking forward to today being Action Comics 1000 that you've got, you know, Brad Meltzer writing Superman. You've got which uh, who else? Dan Jurgens, who of course we love. Peter Tomasi. And uh, Marv Wolfman writing a Superman story. And nice. He did some great work. Jeff Johns and Richard Donner came back to do a story. And there's Meltzer, Paul Dini doing one. Yep. Louise Simonson, who did such a great job on Superman in the 80s and 90s with John Byrne. Uh, Tom King and Scott Snyder, who, of course, we know Tom King and Scott Snyder are ruling DC this, you know, right now I've as got, far as some great, great I've got stories. a real soft spot in here for... Uh, the artist paired up with Marv Wolfman is Kurt Swan. So, so doing a, a classic, doing one of the things like Mark Wade just did with Jack Kirby, taking pages. Uh, I believe that was an unused inventory story by Kurt yeah. Swan. You know, and I read recently that Kurt Swan was, which I think was a lot of people in the fifties and sixties when comics really didn't have the profile they have right now. Um, that Kurt Swan was kind of embarrassed that that's what his job was, was that he was the Superman artist, but he was the Superman artist for so long and everybody's yeah. vision, you know, 
And he's such a just such an essential. It's it's not a bad thing to be rendition of the character. And you gotta you gotta give it up to them for having such a almost a cheesy ad on the back page of the story began in issue number one. The legend began on Krypton, which is a show so enjoyable to me that I don't even care that David Goyer wrote it. Who's the same guy who wrote me because Krypton could turn out to be man of steel and Henry Cavill, or it could be Christopher Reeve. Oh, it wouldn't be Christopher Reeve, but whoever might be the next Superman 10 years down the road. It's really brighter because that red cape they use that's like the the, the hourglass, hourglass yeah. is uh is a brighter red than has been allowed on screen and it's so disintegrating long. way too fast. Every time you look at it, it loses like a line of red. It's reminding me a lot of spawn. It's like of like <laughs> using the power. But is up. it is it like Schrodinger's cape? It only dissolves when we're looking at it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean I, that's why I, I clearly. But uh I did appreciate that I said, you know, it was like Game of Thrones set on in the right, DC universe, right. and then actually, I saw a headline that said that you know Krypton's Game of Thrones problem. I'm like, yes, it's Game of Krypton, it's Game of Krypton, but it's still fun. I just, I wish that there were Americans besides Adam Strange. Uh, you know, why are all the Kryptonians with British accents? But neither here nor there. Let's go on to other things because in the end of May, we're going to be talking again because it's got Spider-Man 800 with the Red Goblin and the Farewell of Dan Slott, and that's coming up. And and uh, less than a month after Marvel saying, we've heard you, we're not going to do variant covers, uh, they've announced at least five variant covers for Amazing Spider-Man number 800. Oh, but it's the game. I know. Don't, don't oh, hate did the you players. See, I, I, was, I was just looking at, I, I just wrote something the other day for my own blog. Because we, honestly, how many, how many covers of Action Comics? There were one? like, Eight or nine of them, right? But how many did you buy? I only bought two. But you bought two. That's the point. I did buy two, and and that and a moment of weakness. But um, two things came in my mailbox this week that broke with the multi-cover thing. The first one that I noticed was the um, the new Star Wars book, uh, Last Shot, Last Shot, which the dust jacket. If you take it off, you can invert it. And you can have the Lando Lando version of mm-hmm. that cover, and so you ha- you you they do this with books every now and then where they have multiple covers for the same book. They don't typically make it so you get both covers with one book. And I don't know how many people are crazy enough to go out and buy multiple hardback books of just like. Well, I'm staring at at least one. That's. <laughs> That star, uh, the the star, but Star Wars is so. There's no collector value to any Star Wars novel, even the even the first series, first uh, movies. The the novelizations are not really worth that much. But the other one that came out this week was D twenty three magazine, yes, which had four different covers, oh, all in one issue. So they showed they had they had. I haven't taken it out of the bag yet. It, it's got uh, the new Winnie the Pooh, the Christopher Robbins uh, movie. Uh, the cover, of course, is and that's the one I'm waiting for. It was you know the Christopher Robin cover, not of course the Avengers Infinity War cover. Well, that one's on that one's on the outside. You've yeah. already seen that. Um, but there's there's multiple movies coming. Oh, Ant uh, Ant Man and the Wasp is one of the covers, and so they were all in a multi fold cover so you open it up and you could see all the different covers that could have been covers this you know this if, D, if d23 could have i mean i'd love for the fourth cover inside to have been deadpool and gun it's real <laughs> <laughs> but you can't put it on the stands although i don't do they no. sell d23 I, I, in the stands I think anymore it's only to subscribe because they used to you used to be able to buy them at 
at uh, at least Disney stores, but I, don't I haven't think you seen can anymore. it. I, I've since I've been buying it, I've never seen it anywhere else. Well, I think it is subscription, and yeah. I I want to say a, just a, a great a, magazine, a, not only a great magazine, but although I probably read. I probably know a lot that's going on in it because I read, you know, because it leaks out the, all, the internet yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I really appreciate the way they deliver it. I really love getting a box. Yes. And so that there's no there's no risk of damage. The, and this is my thing. Minimal risk of damage. I, I, right the only damage I want done to my magazines are the ones I do my myself sweat. by saying my stupid. Drool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I picked up. Well, something that I think I'll be in my what's in the bag, and I had to carry. Didn't get a bag from the bookstore that I bought it from, and I had to like. I'm like, I, did you leave? Do I really on care? Because it? it was a black cover. Yeah, and it was like, okay, uh, the receipt. I shall guide with the receipt because I still have to walk another couple of blocks. Yeah, <sighs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so let's uh, let's go there. Uh, Zorro returns. In August, and is from American Mythology, which is a publisher that's relatively new. I have not read any books yet from American Mythology, but I think it's. I'm I've ri- seen a number in previews. Uh, I, I've I've seen I've seen them listed. I've seen them show up yeah. because I think they did Underdog last year, um, Free Comic Book Day. I think huh. American Mythology was the they have Underdog and the Jay Ward stuff. I think they do a Rocky and Bullwinkle book as well. They might have even gotten the Harvey tunes like casper and uh and wendy and so forth but why zorro returning is worth mentioning of course on fanboy planet is that uh david avaloni who we know wrote doc savage betty page elvira we just talked about him last week and now he's writing zorro a four issue miniseries with zorro kind of facing the supernatural and that's pulpy and delicious and i'm kind of looking forward to that book and uh so American Mythology has the Three Stooges, Stargate, uh, tons of stuff here. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all licensed, but... Dracula. That's what you got to do. That's Pink what, Panther? That was it. I think, I want to say... The Land That Time Forgot. What? Yeah. Why? Um, I I apologize to anyone who is a Land That Time Forgot fan. I'm a land. I'm a Pellucidar. Oh, that Land That Time Forgot. Yes. I was thinking the land before time. I apologize. Uh, they've also got Carson of Venus because I read a thing in there. Oh, okay. In there, they've got which is again interesting. That's a separate conversation. Sometime we should really sit down with Edgar Rice Burroughs because they're every at every convention. Is I know that they're running their own books and yet they're still licensing them out to others. I subscribe to their. It's it costs like two bucks a month for the digital. For, I know you're for do, on on the website. You're doing the websites, but but I know that they're doing copies of that they're doing collections of the, of their comic stories and i don't know why they're licensing to other people to do these unless they're considered public domain like what happened with dynamite with john carter yeah why you can call it you can call it a princess of mars and i don't think they could call it john carter of mars because that is still trademarked by erb but a princess of mars is in the public domain as there is another um, I think Asylum did uh, a Princess of Mars with. Um, there were at least two running at the same time from different publishers. No, there's a film uh, oh. with uh, Antonio Sabato Jr. plays John Carter, and Tracy Lords plays Dejan. Oh Morris. yeah, this is uh, it's decades old. Yeah, I remember. But it's not that well. It came out about because it was Asylum. It was came out right before John Carter came out from Disney. It was hmm. they. I thought I watched it on YouTube. Oh, you may still. have. It's asylum. Who knows? Okay. 
I, they the only way they make money is giving away the films. Huh. So anyway, uh, we say once again to David, great. We will talk to you uh, later about this. Of course, it, it was uh, you know it, it was funny because uh, this week on Facebook I finally got confirmation and could and could on on family planet start talking about um i was flesh gordon the book that i co-wrote with jason williams the star of flesh gordon and i did this piece and i tagged david avaloni and he said hey you know i worked on one of jason's movies is is that why you tagged me i said well that and uh i do enough to promote you i think you can promote me (laughs) so no fair fair (laughs) so anyway uh, let's turn to what's in the bag. Let's talk about the actual comics. You know, okay. Action Comics is off the table, but you know anything else? What's a what's well? Yeah, since we since Action Comics has gotten covered, I want to do another Superman book that Ooh. I've been really enjoying, and especially since this is this isn't really the redheaded stepchild this week, but they did come out with two Superman books this week. One of them just happened to be named Superman, and it's only issue forty five, so they got a little ways to go for a thousand issues of this. What a lovely cover. Isn't that just That's a, a beautiful cover. It's um, uh, clouds with the S symbol. Yeah, and blue, and blue I think, sky above Kansas. I think this makes it, it's the, you know, I was going to kill you. I think it's 45 and that's it because then we stop for Man of Steel by Brian Michael Bendis and a variety of artists. And oh, this then, is this is definitely a transition mm-hmm. issue. But, you know, when... when I think it all starts with over with number one. That's why... Remember when I Detective can't. came out and we said this is the Batman family book? Mm-hmm. When the, when they just recently came out with it. right and Superman is really the Superman family book and I this love is it. the one that's focused on Lois and and John and the dog and her father and the people in the town of uh, Henderson I think it is um, who at one point were all aliens we won't get into that this this has been uh, a wonderful wonderful book to just from the standpoint of you don't see a hero successfully managing a family in many comics and this and especially superman well and and that's one of the things when you say he's out of touch it's like let's be honest about who a lot of the readership of dc and marvel still are are people that are families and and you know that to me superman is a father son book i mean it's a book that i share with my son yeah and ideally that's the other thing about a character that's 80 years old you know is that it has passed on you've got three to four generations of fans now yeah and acknowledge that and it, it is still to me if i can divert back over to marvel having you know, separated Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane, and yet one of their best, most popular books is Spider-Man right Renew Your Vows. The proof is, and he's still married in the comic strip, they're still married in the comic strip, is like if you think that being married makes you unrelatable as a character and that there's no conflict once it's you've been married. because you're a shallow millennial. No, it just means you you've never been married. <laughs> and that... That it's not it's not a shallow yeah. millennial because the people no, creating it, just being. it no I yeah you've been ranting a little bit against millennials oh, online I have. I have and this uh, is just a joke I I, I got a, I, got, I got a problem with that one your own son is one yeah. um, and I rant about him all the time but still uh, but specific it's specific. I'm more specific about the flavor of millennials that okay. I've been ranting about but you know I anyway uh, it, it is just it, it is just proof that that it's all about the writing. 
and that there is no situation that yeah. can't be mined for good drama, for engrossing storytelling. And they are great books to share with your family because actually, Renew Your Vows, Debbie and I both, Debbie reads as well. It's a, so. it's a, it's a fun book. I, in fact, I, I, I binged through a run uh, recently on Marvel Comics Unlimited and just went, oh, you know, it, it is one of those books. I love reading in a in a bunch, yeah. Because yeah, it's like it, no. it's fun. It's good. Uh, my next on my stack is is it's virtual because I forgot to bring it, but it is the relaunch. As we're talking about relaunches, Mad Magazine number one, uh. which relaunched, I think, strictly because they were parodying their own parent company of DC, <laughs> relaunching everything. Crisis on they, well, they now. moved from the East Coast. Their offices moved from the East Coast. Right. I guess they got quarterly. They came, uh, so this is the first one. They were so proud of that Madison Avenue address yes. for so many yes, years. Yes, they had to give it up. Yeah. And they're now out of Burbank in the nondescript tower where DC <laughs> keeps its offices. You know, Disney makes a big deal about where Disney is, and you assume, Mar- well, Marvel's still in New York, but... But you know that Marvel Studios is running somewhere in that studio. Right. But DC, I've talked to guys there. It's like, well, you know, I said I've never noticed your building. And they said that's on purpose. <laughs> we don't, you know. So uh, that could be just Mike Carlin giving me crap. But it, but oh, I'm sorry, I dropped that name there. And anyway, uh, it's Bill Morrison, who we interviewed a long time ago at Big Wow before it became Silicon Valley so Comic Con. Yeah. Actually, I think it was still super. Supercon? I think Supercon. it was still Supercon. Because uh, Bill Morrison was doing Lady um, with Jane Weedland, the book that oh, yeah. Jane Weedland. So Bill Lady was, Robotica? No, was that Lady Robotica or Lady – no, Lady Mechanic is the one you like. That Mechanica is, is a different one. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Lady Robotica. Yeah. And uh, so he worked on that. He was an editor and artist and writer at Bongo Comics for years. Up and coming, he's for Titan Comics actually adapting Yellow Submarine to a graphic novel that's coming out this summer. I'm hoping we'll get to sit down and talk with Bill uh, about that. Bill is also an incredible Bat fan, and I think he may actually own one of the Batmobiles, one of the George Barris. Oh, wow. uh, so I'm not positive on that. I don't want to speak for him. But anyway, it's just to establish his, his bona fides. But his Mad Magazine was hilarious. And his, I mean, there he is as the executive editor overseeing, but I opened it up and I thought as a reboot, as a relaunch, it's the mad. I I mean, I was kind of like, you know, did they really redo everything? No, Sergio Aragonis is still there. It opens with the last Jedi parody, Tom Richmond doing the, doing the art who's, you know, as good as Mort Drucker ever was, you know, and, uh, cause that's, that's my mad parody uh, artist. Um, and there are things in there, aside from not only Sergio still being there, but but acknowledgments to the past, reviving in the middle, uh, putting a comic book in the middle, not different size though, just you know, a parody magazine called Pot Rezibi, which oh, uh, yeah. which was like, oh yeah, I forgot that I knew how to spell that word. It's like saying mixes, but to look, it's like right. there are so many nonsense words that comics taught me instinctively how to how to spell. Uh, and but that was great, and with a cover with with a a sight gag involving Superman, that had me laugh out loud. And you and really you just sort of, you know, you see, you'll see when you see the see it, you'll go, yep, I can't believe no one's ever done that joke before. That was great, and the story within is like, uh, what happens in the Hall of Justice when it's take your sidekick to work day, and and the teenagers are. Uh, uh, 
being the father of a 14 year old right now, uh, dealing with the snide remarks and the truths you don't want necessarily <laughs> told. <laughs> Why does Batman hide in the shadows? You'll have to read. Uh, <laughs> but he's very mad at Dick Grayson for cool. explaining it. How much was it? Uh, $5.99. Okay. Cheap. Uh, it still says yeah, that. <laughs> I saw that part in the ad. But I, I think the part that I loved the most, and they can't do it issue after issue, but it, it was so perfect, was that Tom Richmond does three pages of perfect homage to Will Elder recreating oh. the original Mad, Mad, Mad comic book parody of Archie, Starchy. I saw a frame. And yeah. three pages in, three pages in, uh, Dilton Doily has invented a time machine and he sends them into the future into Riverdale. Uh, so the grim and gritty CWized version of Starchy. Oh, cool. And it becomes Tom Richmond's regular style. But it was like, that is such a perfect acknowledgement of the very beginning and, and where they are now. And and it's perfect. And then in the back, you still got a mad fold in by Al Jaffe at ninety six, still creating. I, wanted, I was wondering about the fold the in. only flaw, and I'm not the first person to note this, is that the paper's almost too good because I was afraid to do the fold in because I think the paper's just too thick and too slick to make it the way it should be. So, to be honest, uh, I would be happy if Mad went down to a slightly lower grade of paper to four ninety nine a copy, but it doesn't matter because. I can't believe I'm going to say I'm going to do this, but um, I think I'm going to subscribe because it, I, I don't see it at comic shops. I had to go to a bookstore to find it, ah. and I didn't see it at Which a comic bookstore was it? Uh, I went to Books Incorporated in, okay. in Mountain View. Um, but it was funny because I, I walked in. There was an elderly gentleman. I'm not going to say old. Elderly. Uh, sitting on a stool in front of the magazine rack, and I'm looking over his shoulder and I'm like, He's reading Matt, and I couldn't find Matt on the rack. Uh, oh. on the, uh, the, I was like, "Did you get the last issue?" And he's, just, and I and I so I, I talked. I just said, "Excuse me, but uh, is that uh, did you get the last issue of Mad?" I don't. And I thought this is like out of a <laughs> out of a Mad ad in the sixties. Chevy Chase. Movie. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, but uh, is that the last copy of Mad? Because I will resort to fisticuffs <laughs> if I have to. Uh, I shall leg wrestle you. I shall take you outside. <laughs> Uh, no, it was fine. It was there on the magazine <laughs> shelves. But but I just thought it was funny. It was like, that's the thing with Mad. It's like, this guy knew this was that the new issue of Mad was out this week. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I guess it did leak out to some store, comic shops last, last week. But oh, it didn't okay. to either the store, or I was in three different shops. And none of the shops that I was in had it. So, you know, I'm just going to subscribe because they also... All right, everybody knows this, but I, you know, I don't want to run on this. Is that if you subscribe, do a two-year subscription, they arrange with Think Geek, Geeky Tiki, to do a three-inch mini Alfred e. Newman Tiki mug. Oh, so I thought I was gonna, I, I'd be interested in subscribing anyway. But the Tiki mug. But now you're gonna throw in a little Tiki mug for me. <laughs> what me Tiki? All right. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I loved it, and I can't. I, I just didn't expect to love it as much as I did. And cool, yeah. So there it is. Are you going to share it with your son? Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I, I will call out. There is a, an absolutely hilarious "Make America Greet Again." So the American greeting cards, as if they were written by the President of the United States. Oh my God! And the game you can play is: Did the writer of this article find quotes 
and put them in the <laughs> situations? Fine. Or did she make it all up? Like, it sounds too accurate. Yeah. It's just, it, it, no matter which side you stand on, politically, you read those punchlines and go, yeah, I could see him saying that. So anyway, go of ahead. Of course, what's, yes. What's next yeah. in your bag? So next in my bag is, ah, I'm going to go with this one. Um, oh. We, oh, did you? Were you no, gonna? I didn't. Okay. I'm just saying I've waited 40 years for this. No, 30 years for this. 30 years for, you know, so, so they must be about, he must be 50 something and she's uh, 45. Okay, I'm going to piece this together. I'm just going to say 1982. That was probably when I was really yeah. reading. And I was stunned to discover. That was when you were shipping uh I was Kitty. shipping Peter and Kitty. Kitty. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. With my friend, uh, Donna Robertson. She's my friend since second grade. And I was stunned to discover she was reading X-Men 2. Oh. And it was just funny that we were – and it was like we would – each month we'd be like, well, did you read what happened with Peter and Kitty? Can you believe that scene happened? You know, yeah. so. so – Of course, it was totally illegal and be frowned upon if you were doing it now. But when we were in high school, it was like, oh. So we had – we. I mean, going back in the X-Men, back to uh, – what was the Astonishing X-Men? The one that was done by... Joss Whedon Joss and John Whedon. Cassidy. Yeah. Um, we had Kitty who went off into outer space for all intents and purposes, lost to us. They got returned. In the meantime, Peter died and came back recently. And They've it had, had many obstacles. It had it, it, it was awkward time well, no, for... No, he was dead before Astonishing X-Men. It was in Astonishing X-Men that he came back to life. And Kitty uh, and Peter finally consummated their relationship yes, after years. Yes. And then she went out into space. Right. She has also been married to Star-Lord. No, they did not have a marriage. Oh, they did They were just engaged. They were engaged. Yeah. Oh, thank heavens. Yeah. I feel so much better now. No, they, 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 they fooled around. Um, what? So, fooled around. Yes, they did. So in X-Men Gold now, in issue 26, we have part one of Till Death Do Us Part. That's an ominous title. Oh God! Um, with "Will you marry me?" Although he had all, they had already sealed their engagement prior to this issue. No, it's just a cover to make an event. This, this is not. This is this is just the run up to the. You marriage fall issue. for all these marketing schemes. No, I don't fall for anything. I just read. I buy the book. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't even need I've to bother following, marketing. I've been following this. Uh, they go X. This, I'm in. Yes. Yeah. Well, not all. Actually, I, I'm only buying about half the X Men books right now. Which, Which is, is still, still uh, twenty. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've got that run up happening right now, and it's actually, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying I, I, this. This issue was, you know, they're 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 talking about, uh, you know, you still want to go through with it? Yeah, are you getting cold feet? No, no, no. You know, so it's typical uh, romance in the X Men universe. Um, I suspect that they are going to get married. And I it'll just don't want probably to put die. something uh, put something bad happening off for a couple I of just issues. Don't want anybody to die. There's been a, there's been enough tragedy in both their oh lives. Oh my gosh, so. so much tragedy. Yep, I'm tired of it. I think because I, I I want some escapism. So that's uh, X Men Gold number twenty six. And ironically, then I'm going to pick something that is so far dark. Uh, I I highlighted Batman Creature of the Night book one uh, a few a couple months ago by Kurt Buschek and John Paul Leon. John Paul Leon is an artist who I just love his work, and Kurt Buschek, obviously the creator of Astro City, love him. This is sort of a real world take. It's not really, but it's like that Superman. Uh, 
uh, I want to say a secret identity. Maybe that was it. I think uh, that was it. Where it was like a what if Superman was in a, a you know a, a Clark Kent kid. This is a Bruce Wainwright who discovered you know who's Bruce Wayne. His parents are murdered. He grows grows up being obsessed with Batman comics, and then a Batman creature appears and starts fighting crime in the city. And it's really uh, so. I read the second issue, and, and, I, and my thing at the end of the first issue was I wasn't sure what was really going on, and I'm uh-huh. not sure if I was liking it. Yeah. But I was going to get another, and I read the thing, and I went, "Okay, there's an interesting turn." But regardless, this is Kurt Buschek's, even though it's dark, love letter to Batman comics, not necessarily continuity. But even in the second issue, he sets up uh, a, a VIP Victims Incorporated program. Which was a thing that Denny O'Neill did in in uh, Batman comics in the late sixties, early seventies, and so this is really a weird, twisted take on on what this drive for vengeance can be. It's like I said, it's dark, but this is a fascinating book. And at this point, you know, those are the things that pull me pull me in. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love what's going on in the regular Batman comics, especially those by Tom King, as we're now heading up to the run-up to the wedding of Batman and Catwoman. I don't think that's a spoiler. And to have just these kind of what would ultimately be one-off stories that take an interesting look at the myth and, and what the impact of the myth is, which is kind of like what he does with Astro City, but this is great. But it's accepting a myth. You know, yeah. Again, it's it. These are now established myths within our our culture. Yeah, so. we don't need an explanation. Yeah, uh, this is a good twist. I recommend if you cannot find the the first two volumes, then just wait for the trade paperback. Uh, I think this probably wraps up in three, but it's going to be a really nifty one done in one. You know, read. So cool. Look forward to that. Cool. So speaking of uh, wait for the trade. Um, I'm going to have to. I missed several issues of that. So I didn't put we it have on my, uh, Kong on the Planet of the Apes from Boom Studios, issue six of six. Um, I am recommending this on the basis of issues one through five and half of this issue. I was not happy with the way it ended. The only, does he fall off the Statue of Liberty? No, he does not. Okay. Um, but... So many things. This was this was such an intriguing and interesting. Um, okay, yeah, an interesting story from the standpoint of what they did in the expedition to find the apes expedition to find Kong. What happened on the island? The capture, bringing him back to Ape City. Uh, the parallels, of course, in Kong are very strong uh, in from the movies and the. All the characters from the motion picture are there from the original. Um, oh, and Darrow and um, they. You mean the humans are there? The humans are there. So uh, the Charlton Heston uh, T- Taylor is there, and um, oh, the humans from Planet of the Apes. From not Planet the head of Apes. From, I thought you meant from Kong. I'd be oh, really no, no, impressed no, if no. that original. Yeah. There's a little steamboat going. Chuck, 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 yeah, that'd be cool. Chuck, chuck, chuck. No, the, the apes are on the steamboat. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but you have not only that, but a lot of insight into more insight. You have to realize that this book is running in parallel to the Ursus book, mm-hmm. the by David Walker, which which is, which is terrific, which is a story that itself parallels 
the original Planet of the Apes story in what's what's going on in his life and what had gone on in his mm-hmm. history to make him into the the gorilla leader that he was and and his his reasoning and it's he's he still isn't a character that you empathize with but you can kind of understand him so it was a little confusing to be reading both at the same time because you're going wait a minute didn't no that's not happening in this book oh yeah um but they brought up a bunch of stuff that uh that doesn't happen in the movie but had to have happened in the movie some discoveries that are are made that I think they're trying to dovetail back in the movie, but they're done in kind of a strange way. So, and then the resolution of the Kong part of the storyline ends up, I don't want to spoil anything, but it ends up, it spends, ends up in a way that is, is sad and not, uh, it, it doesn't feel like a victory. It feels, it just, it's just sad. So, but again, those first five and a half issues were great. And I still heartily recommend uh, the, the story when it comes out in a, in a graphic novel, buy it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, I'm kind of torn uh, between my last choices. Interesting I haven't choices. read either, but they are, you know, and isn't that a great time that we're in there? I, you yeah. know, I think I'm just going to go with this because I've got, the Hugo's on my mind and already oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to, you know, say a call back to a few weeks ago, you recommended oblivion song. I picked up the first, second issues went, that's a fantastic sci-fi story. Yeah. So I'm going to say Mr. Miracle, which I actually did nominate, uh, for 2018 on the, but I think it needs to be for the Hugo's for, for the Hugo's for, uh, I think 2019 should be a shoe in what a, what a fascinating book. Mr. Miracle is, and it's and it's funny. I can't remember which whether it was Tom King or uh, Mitch Gerards, the artist, who tweeted out that people are asking for make it an ongoing, and they, they both had to say, you know, this is a very specific story with a very specific uh-huh. ending. You don't really, yeah, you, you only think you there. want it to go on, yeah, you don't, yeah. and and I'm fine with that. You know, I think that is my 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 issue with. Sometimes we talk about this, the weakening of Darkseid as a character when he's fighting every all over the place in DC, in the DC universe is, is that it is the, the tragedy of the fourth world saga by Jack Kirby was that he did not get to finish it originally. He did finish it with a graphic novel that I think was somewhat diluted. Hunger Dogs. The Hunger Dogs, yeah, which was officially a DC graphic novel back right. when, when that was the big thing to set. It was a separate separate thing. But it felt like a separate story. It didn't, yeah, it was, it was just unconnected instead of this thing moving forward. So uh, anybody that has a specific story to tell with the fourth world, and it, like Bug uh, in the, uh, in the Young your, Animal yeah. books. For, well, no, the book was called Bug. Right. You know, they... There was a journey through through Kirby, but from Gerard Way's mind, and that was that was a blast, you know. Yeah. But it was its own set story, and I think that's what. But Mister Miracle, absolutely, beginning with the, you know, Tom King is addressing it as you realize that Scott Free is basically the Jesus Christ of the Fourth World Saga, and he runs with that, and it's it, we started we were talking about Action Comics one thousand and the, and the power of Superman as a character. Mr. Miracle, who, my gosh, if they make that, you know, when they when they make that fourth world movie, that New Gods movie, uh-huh. 
oh let it be oscar isaac and gwendolyn uh oh yeah yeah you know the from From. captain phasma and poe dameron from star wars let them be mr miracle and big barda that's an interesting pairing yeah that would be yeah i was trying to figure out who could play big barda that i would totally believe oh yeah believe in i thought no she's it yeah she's it now and so anyway uh you you read all of bug right i i think i did did you get up to the point where they were on new genesis you know, I just don't. I don't. He think lands I, on New Genesis. I don't think I read the last it, it's, issue. It's not a not a horrible spoiler. He lands on New Genesis, oh, but all, it's still a spoiler. All mm-hmm. the all, well, it's weeks. It's months ago. True. Um, and all the new gods are standing around. And as he walks up, to him, he realizes they're all cardboard cutouts. They're standees. <laughs> it's, it's just like that's so you know. That's that's that's, that's so young animal. animal. Yeah, it's young animal. It's Alred. It's you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So that's our comics for this week. Let's talk a little bit about movies. Uh, interestingly, James Wan announced this week that he is an, that's the director of Aquaman that he's announced that he has added Randall Park, probably best known for Fresh Off the Boat as the dad, yeah. uh, to the cast as Doctor Shin in Aquaman. Interesting because, of course, Randall Park is also playing Jimmy Woo in Ant Man and the Wasp, and so it's kind of I didn't know that that he's got. I ran a piece on Fanboy Planet. I missed it. Certainly. Uh, and the thing is, Juan, you know, they're in reshoots. And he said, oh, you know, I cast him a year ago, but I'm just getting around to shooting a scene. It sounds suspicious. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know, reshoots has become such a stupid, dirty word with fans. Yeah. That it's like, uh, pff, come on. This is what happens. They make the movie. They shoot. They, they make edit. the movie. They start editing. Oh, you know what? We, we really need, need another need scene here. <clears throat> we need this. We need that. Yeah. So they do it. You know, it's common. It's got a different angle it's just, it's just that we are in a time where everybody seems to know everything. Yeah. And of course, there are a thousand movie sites and we're all jockeying for who can get the scoop. Uh, but it is interesting because I, I read a description of Dr. Shin as being this like really crucial to aquaman mythology and i he was added in by J, by jeff johns okay when jeff johns was on the run is that is that he was a marine biologist who taught he's obsessed with atlantis right he, yeah he taught young well almost all the aquaman villains are yeah. that he taught young arthur curry how to deal with his powers and they did research together and he you know so forth but he's a retcon so i don't consider the character necessary however i think randall park is a great actor uh and if they go with ultimately near the end of of john's run shin became kind of a villain mm-hmm. if they ultimately give randall park who everybody you know he's this nice affable actor i mean he's clearly jimmy woo for you know partially that reason All and right, you just right. like him yeah uh if he p- plays out now evil uh or a character who's going to betray aquaman and again that's no spoiler either because that's been years in continuity yeah then uh that's really an interesting casting so i, I want to see that of course I think the biggest news in movie news this week is Steven Spielberg. For us fans. For us fans. But no, I think that's the one that because, oh, yeah. because the mainstream press, it was on CNN today, Steven Spielberg wants to direct a DC Comics movie. Okay. Now, I noticed noted the irony because a couple years ago, Spielberg gave an interview in which he said superhero movies weren't going to last. This was all going to be over. Uh, but Black Hawk's not a superhero. No. But as I started researching and reading like into the history of the character, specifically because I, I wanted to acknowledge uh, that you know, as, as cool as Black Hawk was, bold as a, I love the I love the look of the uniforms. I love I love. I'm not a big war comics guy, but Black Hawk always fascinated me. 
Chop Chop was a horribly racist character uh, in the Mad Magazine, Mad Comics uh, parody that I think Wally Wood did. You know, Chop Chop was mocked as being like, what the hell? Uh, you know, it was retconned. I, I thought it was Howard Chaykin that had done it, that had made him, that had explained how Chop Chop could appear in the comics, but that they, but that the actual guy Liu Hong was very offended by that portrayal. Uh-huh. It was a kind of a meta commentary, but it was actually Mark Avenier who did it in, when Black Hawk was revived by DC in the late seventies uh, and and early eighties. Dan Spiegel did, did most of the art on that as well. But what was interesting is his own book. Or was he like in Weird War? No, Black Hawk. There was a there was a Black was Hawk revival okay. uh, at the same time that All Star Squad, uh, not All Star Squadron, but All Star Comics came back. Okay, and the the Super Squadron, where you had Robin and Power Girl first appeared. So it was like seventy eight. Yeah, and alongside that, it was like they had these two World War Two era right. revivals. So the you had All Star Comics came back, and then Black Hawk. <laughs> uh, I remember. Uh, Joe Kubert did the cover of at least of the first issue, a really bold image of, of the Blackhawks running to running at the at the uh, reader. But anyway, get the wh- reader. What I had not realized that in doing this research is that the rumors were as early as as eighty two that Spielberg Steven Spielberg wanted, wanted to, to do, do Blackhawk, Black yeah. but nobody was interested in doing a DC movie that wasn't Batman or Superman. Yeah. So. It's just kind of interesting that that's been something percolating for a long time. This could be a really, I mean, I, I it could be a really fun One, movie. My prayer is. Period piece. It, it has got to be either a 40s, yeah. either fighting in World War II, or do what, how take from Howard Chaykin's uh-huh. uh, retcon and make it like early 50s and it's Black Hawk, the war hero who fought against the Nazis, but was revealed to have briefly been because he was in Poland in the thirties and fought in the anti-fascist in the Spanish American, that he Spanish civil war, that he was briefly a member of the communist party. Yeah. So he's trying to prove his heroism while the forces back in America, I mean, you could make a really interesting commentary by using, by, by using that plot line. The screenwriter is David Kep, who wrote Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park uh, Lost World. And uh, so uh, a pretty good screenwriter we could see. And we were, you know, you commented, oh, Tyler Hecklin should oh, play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the, the tradition in Blackhawk's only previous live action appearances, uh, it was a, a former Superman. So I would say uh, the role is probably going to go to Henry Cavill. But Tyler Hecklin could do uh. it. Uh but, I think Tyler Herrick would be a lot better than Henry Cavill. Uh, although I think Henry Cavill could be Howard Chaykin's Blackhawk oh, yeah. really well. I think but, but the great thing about Blackhawk is there's an interesting how many other, you know, because Blackhawk, there's one guy named Blackhawk. Right. But, but it's there's a, a whole team. team of Blackhawks, and Andre, Chuck, right. and, you know, there's a lot of roles out there. This is a chance also you can create a very diverse team. It can, it can look a lot more pulp magazine yeah. than – it did originally. Oh, definitely. You want to you you want to go right back to it's it's G eight and the Battle Aces. It's all the all and the you can and you can stuff. cast some really you and know, you, great actors. And you Lou bring Hong. in the supernatural and the and the monsters by way of the villains and like the War Wheel and like I wouldn't go into that though. I mean, just no? do a really cool story. Really cool story. I mean, yeah, you could do the you could do all those things. Those were cool, but they weren't in the original military comics run on Black Hawk and. Why not just tell a straightforward, 
You've got this. Make it. But I mean, even with Captain make it, America: The First Avenger, they had to bring in like the, the Red beginning Skull. of Hydra and the, Red yeah. Skull. And it, it would be. It is interesting to see. Is this really part of Warner Brothers' larger DC comic strategy uh-huh. or not? It doesn't have to be because clearly they also have a strategy that involves not doing that. And you know, because I was reading too, people said, "Oh, that the characters that supported Wonder Woman in World War One that they were the prototypes of." of of the Blackhawks, and I thought about it, I went, no, I think most people thought they were the losers. The, oh. you know, and and so I, I don't think they were Blackhawks, but I but I think because the Blackhawks really don't have a place in World War One. but you can do World War Two. You could tie them in if you wanted, but I think it would just, I'm okay with just a standalone Blackhawk oh, yeah. movie. No. We're at least two years away because, uh, because Spielberg still has to direct Indiana Jones and the the knee brace and the back brace and the knee brace of God and, and, and the <laughs> and the golden walker and uh, you realize that by the time Indiana Jones five comes out Harrison Ford will be eighty years old yes that I mean that's fascinating and I've said it before when that the I will respect the heck out of the movie in which if if Indiana Jones actually passes away just like Han Solo did if he kills off the character and truly passes the whip and the hat on to someone else yeah if they really have to keep the franchise going which i suppose they think they do yeah. it's a good ride it's a good ride but <laughs> every every st- every additional step you take on that ride has been diminishing returns no i mean the actual ride at disneyland oh it's, a, ride, good, it's, yeah, a, it's sure. a good attraction sure um and then he goes from that into west side story so you know, Spielberg's about a movie a year. And so, you know, we're not going to see it. But, but on the other hand, that gives Warner Brothers plenty of time to decide what the heck they want to do with it. They're developing with Amblin, but I think they still have more say than not. Yeah. So we shall see what happens there. Uh, I think hilariously, as we are nine days away from Avengers Infinity War from opening, yes. the Russell brothers have made it very clear, no member of the cast has any idea what the actual title of Avengers 4 is, and that they have said, no, Infinity War is not going to end with the reveal of the title of Avengers 4. You're just going to have right. to wait. The Avengers will return. In. Yeah, the re- <laughs> Avengers will return. Golden but I've eye. said, I, you know, I'll throw this, throw this out again, because you go from Infinity War, which is going to be devastating, and I think it was Rob Meyer Burnett, uh, a filmmaker. You mean devastating in a great way. In a great way. But yeah. I think it's going to be like, you know, there's going to be tragedy. Uh, there's going to be like the Marvel oh, Cinematic sure. Universe will never be the same. And uh, it was pointed out that that with all the hype, what's magnificent about the hype is we really have no idea what's going to happen. We have, True. you know, True. The, I mean, sure, we have an idea because we know who, because fans know who Thanos is. We know what Thanos did with the Infinity Gauntlet. But as far as plot, there have been no leaks. Yeah. There have been nothing we know, uh, as they've also teased, it's like, oh, you've seen Peter Dinklage. You just haven't heard Peter Dinklage. So I'm right. It is, you know, uh, Proxima, I want to say Centauri. Um, and the Proxima Midnight is that the right one? The, Proxima Midnight is one of the, is one the, of the black well, yeah, guard. but he's one of Thanos's yeah sc- the black guard scary scary henchmen yes. Uh, so and Carrie Coons from the Leftovers could is, it be Peter Dinklage on stilts? Uh, well, CG'd, I'm sure. 
All all of the of of, of the of the them are so RCG like, yeah. characters. As is unfortunately, you know, I I think it, it looks like you know Josh Brolin is CG'd very heavily as as Thanos, and I only say unfortunate because it's like. I want to see more solidity. I like yeah. seeing those hero, those villains that do they, they can, can really go hand to hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think that's very cool. And of course, today we got a new trailer for Jurassic Park: Fallen Kingdom. We, or is it is Jurassic World? I apologize. World. Now, a couple of years ago, there was a prediction made on this podcast by someone sitting across from me, and I, I just want to delay your prediction. Was that the sequel to Jurassic World would be called Jurassic War. I think because everything works in a trilogy, I think you were right about the title. I think you are one movie too early. Hmm. Because it, did you see the trailer today? I did not. That it... I saw Jason posted it, but that I... That the first trailer made it seem like everything was on Isla Nubla. Uh-huh. It's not. It's it's exactly what we what you predicted. B.D. Wong's character auctioning off engin- and engineering to... Uh-huh to foreign governments and they're calling Chris Pratt in to to get blue back and to get the DNA back so that they can't make any more super intelligent raptors. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, this is setting up this is setting up you know, Jurassic War. Yeah. And but that but I was not super excited by the first trailer because it looked like both the rehash of the fir- of Jurassic World and like Lost World of essentially like we have to go back to the island. Yes. And this we have to keep – that's what we have to keep doing. We have to go back. There's money still to be taken. But I will give this up. And then Jeff Goldblum gets to say the the line, welcome to Jurassic World. Oh, I thought you were going to say life finds a way. No, he said that in the first trailer. Yeah. Now it's, it's, you know, it's basically they were here before us. Right, right. And if if we're not careful, they'll they'll be be here here after after us. And then he goes, welcome to Jurassic World. And I'm just like, yeah, that was creepier than Richard Attenborough <laughs> ever was. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was not a big fan of Jurassic World. I suddenly want to see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And I, the first trailer did not make me want to do that. This trailer says, oh, fine, you're going to show me something the other movies really haven't. Yeah. And I don't mean a, bit, a bigger special effects budget. I mean a, a different story. kind of plot. Yeah. Something something new. Yeah. So I, I'm excited about that. I think we're going to rush a little bit because, you know, this, like I said, it is late that uh, Netflix announced that uh, June 29th. I, I think this ties into Fanboy Planet. I because, meant to watch this show, and I don't know how it escaped me. Oh, you need to watch it. I do. This uh, Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Yes. Twofold. If you haven't watched it on Netflix, you can still stream binge season one yeah which is great and will prove that mark maron should play stan lee in the spy movie biopic that they keep saying they're going to try to make he's the one on the recent trailer who who stops them from dancing yes okay uh but he looks just like yeah stan he, does. Lee. he does um and he's brilliant in glow uh so that's two is watch that and then they also have a documentary on the actual original glow and what oh, happened with okay. a reunion of them like 20 years later I remember vaguely, you know, I I would occasionally catch the show on Saturday mornings, yeah, you know, yeah. but I didn't I didn't watch it with any kind of real attention. Uh, the story is fascinating, but the the fictional show is fictional. They, I mean, that sounds really. Are they not? They're, are they not using characters that they're existed? not using the actual they're all characters? Brand new. Yeah, it's okay. it's using the concept to make a statement about 
women's roles in the 80s and and so forth and the empowerment that right that did actually you know people felt as a result i i think when you watch the documentary it they weren't as empowered as i think their audiences felt uh-huh. but the the television series is about women finding their way and it and, and it's it's great it's fun it's fantastic i can hardly wait for season and it's two. got uh what's her name from uh community um allison yeah I know I'm blanking on her last Brie? name. Allison Brie. Yeah. yeah. Allison Brie. Uh she she is great yeah. on that show. And uh so Stranger Things season three got a new cast member. Uh Carrie <laughs> Elwes is joining as the mayor. As I wish. As I yes, <laughs> exactly how I feel. Uh is that he will be the mayor of the uh, of the upside down. No. Of which would be <laughs> hilarious. Wow. Uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts has taken over the <laughs> upside Stephen down. King right there. Yeah, uh, but he has joined, so that's an interesting. I, I love that they just keep bringing in little '80s, uh, iconic '80s actors into this show, and, I, and we didn't cover that. You know, I don't know if I'm super excited about this, but I'm sure that uh, Jason Salazar is. Halloween Horror Nights uh, in Universal Studios announced that the the Upside Down will be one of the Ooh. mazes. So <sighs> that'd be. I don't know if that's the one that pulls me in or not. Yeah. I've resisted every year. And by the way, when I say resisting, that implies that there was some sort of struggle. <laughs> or I just go when uh, Stephanie turns to me and says, is this the year? And I say, no. <laughs> There's not really a fight. Uh, <laughs> so, and I just feel, you know, this is in this too much TV thing. It is. Uh, I'm going to say there's two shows that we were excited about in their first seasons that Almost have completely oh, no. escaped. I am so excited about the second season. I am not letting myself watch it until there are enough episodes banked up that I can watch three or four uh, okay. at a time. Of, of Legion. Well, I think of there Legion. are three or four. No, there's only three. There's a Legion on FX. So I, yeah. I watched the first episode a couple nights ago. And went, I actually, well, but I actually watched the first couple of minutes and went, yes, I, 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 this is going to be brilliant. I don't want to watch anymore. And I put it aside. Oh, the first watch five minutes and it's mind bending. Like oh, I yeah. really had to stop and look and go, wait, did I miss something? No. But then that's actually a point is that, you know, like it's almost as if the audience is going, wait, well, did I miss something? And they, they did you. the same thing at the end of the first season because, uh, Aubrey Plaza and I keep forgetting his name from uh, Flight of the Concord. Um, yes, Jermaine Clement. Jermaine Clement. Uh, I love his character. Uh, they're both great characters, but they're driving along in the car and they realize that they're not really there, and it's just like terrifying thing where they realize they're in the mind or in the control of the Shadow King, mm-hmm. and. The beginning, and season two begins, season begins, that, begins that same way. But they don't care. <laughs> but there's more to it. There's there's even more that is like, whoa. Uh, I'll say, oh, no. I think they they don't care. No, I don't think they do particularly because they're handed a cocktail in the pool. They're no, fine. I think they they care, but they're being made to do things and laugh about it too, which is all that much more but there's still But there's still more. Uh, there's yeah. still more that has nothing to do with them. Right, that is right. Cha- That has changed. And that's where I had to stop. Like, I figured that David's, was how – David's story. David's story yeah. is – I did have to stop and say, wait, did I miss an episode? And uh, I, on the flip side, I – we we raved about Ash versus Evil Dead, yeah, and it's almost third season's almost over. I watched two episodes and I just didn't feel it. It it got repetitive for me in the second season. That's when I dropped it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I find yeah. myself in an awkward position of like I loved that first season so much, and the season is the second season, kind of like okay, 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And then this third season, uh, two episodes in, and I went, I'm, I, I don't know that I will ever finish this. Right now, I am binging through, I've got two episodes left in Lost in Space, which is amazing. Um, I've got, I'm, I'm also. I'll doing, be honest, I'm not turned off by it, but I watched the first episode and I'm not in yet, but I've been told that it takes three episodes. Yeah, yeah. That it's really, and, that's really a pilot movie. It's not really. It's not the family you're expecting, but it's a better family. I don't mind that. Yeah. I, I I don't mind that because I, I I had time to reflect. Like, why wasn't I responding? Like, what is the loss in space? I love. Yeah. Mostly the memories of the campiness, which the movie didn't do either. No. Um, you know, but that was the memory of a small kid of a young kid. Yeah. Who was hadn't discovered Star Trek. Yet. Sure. And it hadn't come out yet. Uh, it had when I was a small okay. kid. Okay. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> and I know you bought the original Gold Key Space Family Robinson issues too. No, uh, I didn't. No, but I, although I, I do want to call out, there's a, the uh, Dark Horse. I think did beautiful hardcover yeah, collections nice. of those. I, I have one of those, but it, it was, um, you know. So I, I, I was torn by that. It's like, well, there was the campy version. I. And that's what I remember, but I really liked, like, at the beginning that Will Robinson, before I realized that there was some controversy within the show mm-hmm. about his intelligence, that we actually see Will being a problem solver. Because I'd kind of forgotten that Billy Mummy was supposed to have right. been the super genius kid right. because it was just like, oh, it was always just funny to me. Um, so I like that. I still kind of dig the robot, though there's a darkness to the robot that I'm not sure. But again, I'm only that's one That's what episode. you're supposed to feel. Right. And yeah. I'm, I, I'm not sure. Um, it's the way the robot was in the first couple of episodes because he was the one that was programmed to destroy the Jupiter two and attack anybody who tried to stop him. And then they, it took a little while for them to start trusting. The you robot. know, and I would say this is that I think it was years after I had first watched lost in space that I actually saw the pilot. Ah, okay. The original. And that had ever seen an episode in which Dr. Smith was evil, which was the pilot. Right. You know, and, and, and but he was an evil coward. So to me, he was always just like, oh, William. Was, and later, he just became the seeker of comfort. You know? Yes, <laughs> I, there's a fascinating interview you should watch. It's on YouTube where he talks about why he and Guy Williams didn't get along, and you know, it was like when he was the, supposed to be the star, then everyone loved me. And it's <laughs> like, well, you couldn't blame the man for thinking that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's interesting, and I don't know how. And because Netflix doesn't really reveal their ratings. Right. You know, I think it was heavily hyped. I It is one of those things that I don't know how many people... I mean, I know you were hyped because you were such a huge fan of the right. original series. Right. And I think I had to I had to pull back. Like, my instincts always say, oh, yeah, I was a fan. And I went, no, I was a... I enjoyed the series. I, I enjoyed and, the original series, and I did enjoy the movie. They were very different experiences. This is yet another different experience with, I think the concept's great. You know, a family lost in space. And, that's, uh, that's and a do great you know pitch. who's playing um, uh, John Robinson? Do you, do you know who, who that man is? Uh, no. So there's another. Uh, so yeah, the, he was a villain in Die Another Day. And, oh. And he was also, and he's, this is his genetics. He is the son of Dame Maggie Smith. So Professor McGonagall's son wow. is is John Robinson wow. doing a, a very credible so he, American he's accent. He's British. Wow. Oh okay, yes. Cool. Oh yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. And it was a Dino. I think it's Dino. It's the one with the ice. 
uh, the ice hotel where it is revealed at the end that he was actually a Korean general who had had a, uh, had an ethnicity change surgery right. surgically. Yeah. The most ridiculous of plot twists in the, in the James Bond. Well, maybe not the most ridiculous, but it's it, not the guy who also had a diamonds in, in his flesh because of an explosion. I think so. Yeah, I think so. One of the bad guys. So anyway, but you know, the, but, uh, but there it is. It is another show. It's like, so the other show that I'm watching, which gets right back to this, is uh, Runaways. I just I'm oh, finally starting, starting starting watching. That. Are you enjoying? It's Runaways. hard to binge four shows at once. <laughs> I am enjoying Runaways. It is I, I'm, so hard. I'm very satisfied with the uh, with the carrying over of the characters from the comics into the, into the show. I think it's a great carryover and update of the characters. Yeah, the first season is not the plot of Brian K. Vaughn's. Oh. I mean, it has the basic same setup. Yeah, and but the solution as to what's really going on is not the same thing. And on the other hand, I thought for a television series. They had to change it. And, you know, I, I binge read. I, I reread all. I mean, I had read it originally yeah. all. But after I watched the show, I was like, I wanted to double check. And I thought, when you sit and you binge read the books, it is another one of those was like, oh, fantastic idea. It wrapped up. And then it's struggling to find something new. Yeah. And I think even to some extent that's the problem with the comics revival right now is you had to bring a character forward out of time who then can comment upon all the ways they screwed up when other editors took over and changed things. Nice. And it, yeah, it's just inter- it's interesting. But and if you're interested, hey, Runaways, cool. And which I think the UK is just getting Runaways now, so I'll be interested to see like what happens with the press over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know which network picked it up, but uh, it, it's not because they don't have Hulu in the UK. I don't. I, oh. So they have some other. I think it gets picked up like by ITV or Sky or whatever. It could be Amazon Prime UK because they have a different. Uh, it's true. Just of, as they have, a, they have a lot of stuff that we don't get over here. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, that that that's it. Uh, I, if you're binging four shows at once and we've missed the one you're binging, please write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I, I want to watch it all. I don't have the time. I'm like, you know, this is the thing is. Sure, I'm disappointed that Ash vs. Evil Dead wasn't holding my attention. But on the other hand, you were kind of relieved. Oh, thank God! Maybe I don't have to finish it. You know, I'm I still I realize I haven't finished the Punisher. By the way, did you know that they did a whole Punisher series on Netflix? I did know, and I haven't. Punisher's never been one of my favorite. And and I well, I didn't really. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm watching uh, Jessica Jones, and I haven't finished yeah. that. I'm saving, you know, saving that, but loving that show, and another one just a. What replaced Ash versus Evil Dead in my heart is Santa Clarita Diet on on Netflix. I haven't watched that at all. Hilarious zombie show. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, let me just go with you've got Drew Barrymore, Timothy Oliphant, and Nathan Fillion, and and Andy uh, Andy Richter. So uh, in a recurring role. So the Santa Clarita Diet is hilarious. It's a family show. And it really is. I mean, that's what's so funny about it is that it's about a husband, his undead wife, and their teen daughter just trying to hold it together as a family in the face of mom's a zombie now. <laughs> and she and she has a problem with eating flesh, human flesh. <laughs> so great show second season just came out that's perfect for nathan fillion yeah uh yeah. no he's not the father he's, oh, he's not, not the, the father no no i i don't want to okay you don't want to go in but he yeah he's got a recurring role but he is timothy oliphant is the dad and timothy oliphant is a comic 
genius who rarely got to play comedy because mostly he was on that show Justified. He was yeah. in Hitman, you know, because he's scary looking. Uh, you know, he can be. He can look very psychotic, which he plays up very well. Of like, well, there's a reason he's losing it <laughs> on, on Santa Cruz Diet. So there we go. Uh, so anyway, right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to. Use your powers for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I dot com.